Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast where your host, Scott McNulty, watches a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. Today, my non-random guest is Brianna Wu. Brianna, thank you for joining me. What's crack-a-lockin'? Uh, Star Trek, I think. <laughs> Star Trek, all right. I never know how to answer that. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, tell us what's crack-a-lockin' with you. <laughs> Huh? Well, I am uh, I'm the head of development at Giant Space Count. If you're a gamer, you have almost certainly played a game with the Unreal Engine. Uh, you know, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Batman Arkham Asylum. That's mm-hmm. the same technology we use. Um, and we basically create very cinematic experiences. Uh, our first game, Revolution 60, is just about to come out, uh, which we're very excited about. And I'm also the host of Isometric, a video game podcast. And uh, what is your favorite Star Trek series? Uh, I would say it's Star Trek Voyager, definitely. This is Um, a very controversial opinion. It it is a very controversial opinion. Um, Well, let me give you some of my perspective on this. You know, um, with my job being a female head of a company, Mm -hmm. um, you have to understand that I kind of saw Star Trek Voyager with different eyes than a lot of the, the standard Trek audience did. Um, Mostly to me, I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. typically men. Um, mm-hmm. To me, when I was growing up, um, you know, I was a teenager in the late 90s. So, you know, Star Trek was the, the original series was something my dad watched. And I was a child for most of TNG when it was on the air. Um, and Star Trek Voyager, when it came out, you have to understand, this was a female captain, you know, Captain Janeway, uh, and you had really powerful female characters on the show. Belana Torres is excellent, I would argue. Cass isn't so great. Mm. Um, you know, of course, you have Seven of Nine, who I think is just extraordinary. I would put her up there with Spock, um, you know, really any other Star Trek character as far as being awesome. So... You know, often as I'm leading my company, I really do think about Captain Janeway because I think there are a lot of leadership um, examples that she brings to the table. She's very much a consensus builder. Um, She doesn't really bark orders at people. She, like the episode we're going to be talking about today, you'll see she kind of navigates a situation more emotionally Mm -hmm. with her crewmates. And I think if you're a female leader, you have to kind of learn that you can't lead like a man does. You know, if I were to bark an order at you, you know, I want you to go down there, launch the warp drive, do it right now. Um, And sometimes you'll see Picard like kind of bark those orders or take that very aggressive role with people. Um, That's not a style that really works for women, I think. It feels very aggressive to me. Um, And it kind of can set guys on edge. Sometimes when I do kind of get more emotional or more hostile in a work situation and there are guys involved, there's a lot of defensiveness that comes up very, very quickly. So when you're a woman and you're trying to lead a team, you kind of have to learn a softer approach for that. Does that make sense to you? It Well, speaking as a non-woman, it does make sense to me. Uh, And I have been surprised so... Voyager is not my least favorite Star Trek uh, uh, franchise. Uh, and, and to be clear, I like all Star Trek in all its forms, so it's kind of just ranking your favorites amongst your children, right? Sure, um, sure. But, Even and, Enterprise, really? Uh, well, Enterprise <laughs> is uh, at the bottom of the list yeah, by far. Yeah, I would far. agree with that. Uh, Voy- Voyager, 
I may not love Voyager as much as I love the original series and The Next Generation uh, and Deep Space Nine, but I do think, especially as I'm doing watching more and more episodes for this podcast, because uh, there were seven seasons of Voyager, so uh, you're, there are a lot of Voyager episodes out there. I'm appreciating uh, how good character-wise uh, Captain Janeway and Seven of Nine and uh, Chakotay uh, and Tuvok. I think there are some great characters. The sad thing for me is I think those characters are slightly outweighed by the super annoying characters right? th- that I find on uh, Voyager. Neelix is very Neelix, frustrating. Very annoying. Yeah. Harry Kim, I can't stand. Uh, Can I say something about Harry Kim really quickly? Sure. I didn't understand why Harry Kim was a problem until I married my husband. Um, you know, I'm not actually Asian, even though my last name is Wu, but my husband is Chinese. And my husband hates Harry Kim with a passion. And I didn't really understand it because, you know, I, I come from a certain background. And, you know, Frank feels a lot of antipathy towards the character because he thinks Harry Kim plays into some stereotypes that he finds very, very hurtful, hmm. which is Harry Kim is kind of always the inept guy that's mm-hmm. the sidekick to the the white cool guy who gets all the girls. He that's never true. gets the girl. He ends up pregnant in one episode. And this really bothers my husband. And, you know, I don't know Garrett Wang, the, the guy that played him at all. And I don't know if maybe he tried to inject a little bit of... Um, growth into the character. In the later seasons, you do see Harry Kim kind of take command of Voyager many times. But I do think that, I think his character is somewhat problematic. I don't like that Harry Kim. <laughs> see, but this is this is where I have to say something. Like, Seven of Nine's character. Mm-hmm. A lot of male Star Trek fans, when they see Seven of Nine, they see her boobs. And they see her being very beautiful, which she is. Mm-hmm. But for... Me as a female Star Trek fan, and you know, in particular, an engineer. I do software engineering. Mm-hmm. I feel amazing affinity for Seven of Nine. She's completely competent at her job. She evaluates things rationally. She has a rich conflict going in inside of her. She's trying to relate to the people around her. And that same affinity that you feel for, you know, Barkley, that's how I feel about Seven of Nine. And I know a lot of other female engineers that kind of feel that same affinity. And I think it's really unfortunate that that's the conversation we have about her character so much of the time is the sexuality. No, I, I think you're totally right. So especially, I mean, the skin tight suit doesn't sure. help. Right. Uh, and we I mean, were and watching she... one today and she's got like emphasis underneath her boobs, like mm-hmm. stripes there. And it's, it's just unnecessary. <laughs> they, 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 right. they did some uh, questionable things right. uh, with her costuming. Um, but I do think, you know, she's obviously a beautiful woman. Uh, sure. And, and there, she shouldn't hide that fact, right. clearly. But she, that is not... Like, if you were to ask Seven of Nine, mm-hmm. what is your most important characteristic? She would, I, I think she could list hundreds of characteristics, and her appearance would not even be on that list. It would be incidental. Uh, right. She, it, it is irrelevant yeah. uh, to her. <laughs> uh, see what I did there? Ah. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, which is oddly enough, now I have to say this. I, the basic premise of the show is mm-hmm. random trek. And I am a very honest man. So uh-huh. I put, I put, I have 681 episodes of Star Trek plus the movies in a spreadsheet. They are numbered. I go to random.org 
I put 1 through 681, it gives me a number, I take that number, and that is the episode that uh, I email to my my guest, and that is the episode that we speak about. And some might think, well, obviously we spent so much time talking about Voyager. Right. Uh, what are the chances that we're going to have a random Voyager episode? But I'm going to tell you people, there are seven seasons of Voyager. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Voyager shows. Yeah. So chances are, it's a Voyager episode. And in fact, it is a Voyager episode. <laughs> I knew you'd be excited about it. I'm very happy about that. It is uh, from season four, actually the season finale, uh, Hope and Fear. It's a Uh, good episode. It is a good episode. I have a problem with the basic premise, but overall, enjoyable. Uh, And so let's just delve right in uh, to the episode. Uh, well, first off, I like my uh, season finales to be two-parters. This is a mm-hmm. one-parter, but that that's not yeah. a, a slam against it. I just like the little cliffhanger. I, I couldn't end, agree but. more. All the best episodes of Voyager, well, not the best ones, but there are many really good episodes of Voyager. They're exactly like that. It's, it's uh, Equinox, so Basics, yeah. Oh, the Equinox, yes. So it starts off uh, with Seven of Nine and Captain Janeway playing, uh, a hol- on the holodeck playing a game called Velocity. Uh, which uh, one of the things that I find fascinating about Star Trek are the games that people play in the future. Hmm. Uh, and Velocity uh, seemingly is uh, handball, racquetball, actually, uh, only instead of rackets, you have a phaser. Yeah. And instead of a ball, you have some kind of strange flying disc. <laughs> uh, so they play that for a while, and uh, 709 is getting quite frustrated because mm-hmm. she feels like she's not winning enough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In the scene, we see she is in fact winning. Like she won like seven out of ten or something, but she felt like she should have won more mm-hmm. uh, because Janeway doesn't have the stamina or acuity that Seven of Nine does with her Borg uh, reflexes. Uh, but then Janeway, they have a very nice scene, and Janeway says, "Well, it's more about you know you can't discount intuition, uh, and that's what I have." And uh, also, don't be such a sore winner, Seven. <laughs> and right. Seven, is, and she's like, okay, well, uh, I'm done, Janeway says, because she's tired. Uh, and Seven of Nine says, no, we're going to play another game. Uh, and Janeway says, uh, no, we're not. And uh, it'll be okay. <laughs> and then we cut to Janeway uh, sitting in the mess hall very late at night, well, actually early in the morning, trying to decrypt this message that they've received from Starfleet. And they can't figure out how to decrypt it because it seems to be damaged. But Janeway is certain that there... Well, she's hopeful, I should say, that there is some kind of important message because this is a huge message. There's lots of data. So she's hopeful they've found a way to speed them back or something. She doesn't know what, what is in there, but she's pinning a lot of her hopes into it. So she's she's burning her the midnight oil to try and figure out what it is. Uh, Chakotay comes in and says good morning, basically, and uh, then she realizes that she's been working all night trying to decrypt this thing. And that's the other thing I like about Captain Janeway, is that she was a science officer before she was a captain. Yeah, she was. She really gets into this kind of, you know, trying to decrypt messages and getting her hands dirty in engineering. She is an actively engaged captain. Yeah, I've never really thought about that with her. It's hard to imagine Kirk getting down and doing some science to to try to do that, but that's very much who Janeway is. Yeah. He, yeah. He'll punch uh, <laughs> an animal in the face before <laughs> right, he studies right. it. Hey, hey, Kirk, could you decrypt this message? Uh, and then he would attempt to uh, would seduce it yeah. or, or yeah. <laughs> uh, make it, trick it into decrypting itself somehow. <laughs> uh, 
And, and so Chakotay says, hey, Tom Paris and Neelix are coming back from this trading colony they went to, um, and they're also bringing this mysterious alien that they met, Ooh. Arturus, uh, who helped them, apparently, uh, engage in some trade. They arrive. Janeway is excited to see them, so she goes down to uh, check out what they have brought with them, uh, and she meets Arturus, and she finds out that he is this uh, alien who has a giant brain, apparently. Giant brain. <laughs> and he can learn languages uh, at an impossibly fast rate, it seems. Uh, he knows something like a thousand languages. And he picked up uh, Neelix's language and the language of the, the trading company and uh, the Federation uh, language very quickly. And so he helped translate. Uh, and I must say... As soon as he's introduced, you think, you shouldn't trust this guy. I don't know yeah. why, but you shouldn't trust this guy. Huh? Uh, but Janeway says, hey, thanks for helping us. I realize, uh, so uh, they, uh, Neelix and Paris promised that they would take uh, Arturus to the next star system uh, in payment for helping them with the, uh, the trade. So they give him a, a place to sleep, and he just kind of hangs out for a little bit. Uh, and uh, then she figures out, or he he expresses interest in this message that she's working on. Right. Uh, and so she gives him, which I don't understand this, but I guess she's just very, uh, she is desperate to find out what's in this message. So she well, gives... Well, they had had a previous episode where, like, the Voyager had basically found this ancient comma ray, and they mm -hmm. tried to get this message from the Alpha Quadrant, from this, you know, basically calm array that goes all the way across the galaxy and some of it you know ended up corrupted mm -hmm. over that journey so I, I do have to say about our this character arturo it's always interesting to me to do you know that feeling when you watch a star trek episode and the actor seems so familiar but there's all this makeup on them and you yes. can't place them do you mm -hmm. know that i do and then you'll go and look them up in the IMDb, and it's in this case it's Ray Wise who has been in everything. Like if uh, he was in RoboCop, like he, he's he was one in of, the um, Next Generation. He, yeah, well, I've noticed Star Trek tends to like get an yeah, actor they, they and then do. put them in different makeup <laughs> in many different episodes. So uh, it's it's crazy to me because he's been in Twenty Four. Um, he's a really good actor. I think he brings oh, a lot guy. to this part. He brings a gravity and a, an anger that it I think does. is really cool. Oh yeah, I mean he has some really great scenes. Yeah, um, but it is clear to me that he is not to be trusted. But Janeway yeah. says, "Okay, we'll take your help decrypting this message that I don't know what it is from Starfleet, uh, but you know have access to our computer and uh, decrypt away," <laughs> which. I find hard to believe, but she does it, and uh, Chakotay also says he should ask Seven to help, because Seven might have some Borg trips, tricks up her sleeve, but Janeway says, eh, uh, let's leave Seven out of well, this. Well, they have this really interesting scene where they're sitting there at this computer, and they're trying to figure out mm -hmm. and decrypt this message, and to me, it's always really cool to... We've seen a Star Trek episode many times, and just start piecing together how the the writers kind of foreshadow something because there's mm -hmm. a very regular plot to Star Trek, you That's know. True. And um, I like the way that they kind of foreshadow Arturo's um, 
you know, his malevolence, I guess you would say here, Mm -hmm. because like he kind of makes an offhand sexual comment about seven of nine. (laughs) It's completely inappropriate when they're trying to work together. You know, he's like, oh, you're very good looking for a drone. Oh, that's true. That was an uncomfortable moment. Right. It automatically is just that mild moment. He tries to play it off, but boom, villain, you know, and I I think that's really cool the way that they, they take that small moment and do that. And he also has some nice, so Janeway says, you know, I'm unfamiliar with her species, right. and Seven of Nine obviously is a Borg, so she says, have you had any contact with the Borg? And he says, well, the Borg have tried to assimilate us several times unsuccessfully, uh, but I don't hold it against the drones. Uh, the Borg are just like a storm. You don't, yeah. you don't get mad at the storm on the horizon, you just go around it. And I thought, that's a good way of thinking about the Borg. Yeah. Uh, they have managed to decrypt uh, the message, everyone's very excited. Uh, there's a, va- a badly uh, compressed, I guess, uh, message from Admiral Hayes, and he gives uh, Voyager a spatial grid with some coordinates that are less than 10 light years from their current position, uh, which is quite exciting. So Janeway says, all right, that's where we're going. Uh, so they go there, and they detect a ship, and Tuvok says he might be mistaken, but this ship seems to have a, a Starfleet warp signature and then they show us the ship and it's unlike any starfleet ship we've ever seen but it is vaguely like a starfleet ship so it's so kind one of, of my favorite things about star about any star trek is you know as a 3d modeler i love looking at starship design and so they hail it no response uh so there's no life forms on there uh it seems undamaged everything seems to be online it seems like just an empty ship hanging in space waiting for uh, the Voyager crew to beam over. And that's what they do. They send an away team over. Janeway orders Chakotay to lead an away team because she's not a stupid captain and she doesn't go (laughs) over herself, uh, which I appreciate in Janeway. Uh, She sends her subordinates, which is what she's supposed to do. Uh, And they go and they explore the, um, the ship, and they find out that the the bridge looks really cool. Um, it looks very Starfleety. Uh, they see that it is the USS Dauntless. Dauntless, excuse me. Uh, and he sees when it was launched. Tuvok looks into the record, sees when it's launched, finds out that it's traveled sixty thousand light years in three months, uh, which is crazy. Yeah. And uh, Tom Paris notices that the warp core seems to be fluctuating and the ship is vibrating. So they go down to the warp core uh, and Tom Paris, uh, somebody makes a a quip about, is this the warp core? Uh, And Tom Paris says, I have no idea what this Uh is. (laughs) And uh, he doesn't know what it is, but he figures out it has a quantum slipstream drive, uh, which sounds fancy. I have to say, the Technobabble in Voyager is awesome. I think they <laughs> excel at that. Like, uh, yeah, they really do. Um, I do like the, the quantum slipstream drive yeah. is a great uh, phrase. Particle synthesis, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is good. Uh, and then <gasps> it powers up. The Dauntless powers itself up. Uh, and it just warps away. <laughs> right. And uh, before Voyager can figure out what's going on. Uh, and everybody on uh, the Dauntless can't seem to figure out how to stop it. Uh, Chakotay tells the computer to stop, and it won't. Paris tries to get something to to break out of the slipstream, uh, 
but he, he can't figure out what to do uh, until he finds out that it's being routed through this navigational deflector. Uh, he stops the flow, they fall out of uh, the slipstream, and they notice they've traveled over 15 light years in just a couple of minutes. Which is, once again, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then we show another more of Admiral Hayes explaining that the slipstream technology is experimental, but they think that it can get Voyager back uh, in, like, what, something like six months, three months? Yeah, it's, it's some short part. Yes, you know, but they said short. that yeah. no one, no living crew has traveled that long in the slipstream, so uh-huh. it would be a risk, but it's one that they're, if, if the Voyager crew is willing to take it, uh, the, the ship has been made so that they can just beam over, uh, take everything. It's a light, it's a lean ship, but they can go. Uh, and so now Janeway has to figure out if she should do this or try to adapt the technology to Voyager uh, because she loves Voyager. And and this is the point at which Janeway says what everybody who's watching this episode thinks, uh, <laughs> that this seems like it's A too, too good yeah, of yeah. Uh, an opportunity. Again. Uh, again. Again. Exactly. It happens every once in a while. Right. Uh, and so Janeway's like, uh, we should still... We should continue investigating because that's the responsible thing to do but let's be cautious because right, this right. Is, as soon as this alien appears all of a sudden we have a magic ship that can get us back to the alpha quadrant seems a little fishy so any episode of voyager where they come with a magic ticket home mm-hmm. they always diffuse this with some joke and it's either a subplot where harry kim says he's not going to get his hopes you know <laughs> up again or something but it's the same joke every time where the characters kind of look at the camera and they go uh, we know this happens a lot, but <laughs> kind of this shrug. time it's going to be okay. You know, I think this time's different. I've got a good feeling when they're like 10 or 15 episodes of Voyager about that. Surely one time it's going to yeah, work out. Right. Just statistically, you know. <laughs> That's right. They're going to keep trying. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we, we, they catch up to Dauntless and they, they beam over an engineering crew to figure out how, if they can control this slipstream thing. And if they can retrofit it onto Voyager, uh, because uh, they don't want to just leave Voyager floating around, because it's a good ship. Bolana goes uh, about her business, leaving Harry Kim to analyze a bulkhead, because that's what <laughs> Harry Kim is good for. He's very I guess. good at that. Very good. Uh, and uh, Seven and Tora uh, Bolana have a nice scene where uh, Seven of Nine does isn't excited about the prospect about going home. Uh, because, you know, she doesn't really think of it as her home. Uh, she has difficulty adapting to living with a small number of humans, um, but billions and billions of humans could be, you know, it's an it's a, an anxious kind of situation. Right. Uh, and so she, she doesn't have any affinity for Earth. She's just on a ship doing her job, being efficient. That's what she cares about. And she says to Torres, well, why, why do you want to go back to Earth? You are part of the Maquis. When you get there, they'll probably put you in prison. Yeah. Uh, and she says, well, I'd rather be in prison on Earth than stuck on Voyager. <laughs> so this is, I think this is, this is where Voyager really, really shines as far as letting characters have their own arc and their own growth. When you ran into Bolana in season one, she wasn't the lead engineer of the ship, and she was really struggling internally with this half-human side and half-Klingon side, and you saw her kind of out of control at times and letting this rage kind of take control of her. And what I love about the scene between her and Seven is she stands up to her. She's kind of tough, 
but she also there's a, a much more subdued side to Milana at mm-hmm. this point, and you kind of saw her in her own. And I think that's something people do not give Voyager credit for is these really beautiful arcs as these characters kind of grow past these things that are limiting them. Um, and I just, I really found this a touching scene as somebody that really cares about Voyager. It was a very nice scene. Yeah. Um, and then basically Seven's like, well, I don't like Earth. Uh, <laughs> and I'm out of here. And Kim is, uh, Harry Kim, who has a thing for Seven, yeah. uh, is, uh, tells her, well, you know, if you don't come back with us, it won't be the same. Oh. oh. And Seven just walks away. Yeah. <laughs> as she should. As she just want to do, yes. <laughs> uh, and so Kim returns to his bulkhead. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> without the girl. Without right. the girl. He's yeah. just a man and a tricorder yes. and a bulkhead. Uh, <laughs> He's very but, good at the bulkhead. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But he, he finds out the critical clue. So Harry Kim, without Ooh. this episode, without Harry Kim, they never would have found out. As he's uh, uh, scanning the bulkhead, something catches on fire. Uh, and he, he goes to investigate. He notices alien technology. And then the bulkhead that he's looking at kind of shimmers and changes uh, shape. And so he uh, reports to Tuvok and says, I've definitely found something <laughs> odd. Uh, the computer beeps. And we find out that Janeway has been working on the uh, decompressed encryption yeah. uh, thing because she she felt uh, what his name Arturo or whatever his name Arturo? is Arturo yeah. whatever his name is uh, big head guy uh, <laughs> said part of it was so damaged that it couldn't be recovered. Uh, but what Janeway, is the word they use like a tri tricursive algorithm? I want someone like out there that's a math major to write me at my Brianna at giantspacecat.com and let me know if that's a real thing. A I real really thing, want to know that. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounded impressive. I yeah, don't know. It sounds very, it sounds awesome. But, uh, yeah. but Janeway, uh, once again, letting her science officer brute show yeah. is like, I think I can get it. Uh, and she does, in fact. And she finds out that uh, there's another message in this uh, data packet from Admiral Hayes, who, who basically says, this isn't Captain Janeway and Voyager crew. I know this is not the message you want to hear, uh, but we've been investigating uh, many technologies that try and figure out a way to get you back home. Uh, but we just we can't, we haven't been successful. Uh, we're using this uh, network to send you as much information as we can about the Delta Quadrant in hopes that you can shave off a few years from your voyage. Um, but we're really sorry that we can't. We don't have anything that can really get you home immediately as much as we want. Good luck. Uh, and then you're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> what is going on? Right, right. Uh, and Captain Janeway figures out what's going on very quickly because it's fairly obvious uh, that the Dauntless is not a Starfleet vessel and that uh, Mr. Big Brain has some splaining to do. Uh, she does not say that. <laughs> okay, so is this where we can like start yelling at the plot inconsistencies? Because this yes. is where this episode pissed me off. And, you know, I'm not trying to blast Voyager, but, you know, I think there's a certain amount of sport in any Star Trek fan kind of picking this apart. Mm -hmm. If you have someone that's basically lured your ship into a trap, you know, and you're going up there with an armed guard team, like, you shoot that dude, right? You You don't let him be near the engineering <laughs> controls. You don't send one person over to grab him by the arm. Like, no, yeah. like you, you capture him, you, right? You just shoot him as soon as you beam over. So right. what happens? He's on the Dauntless. Uh, while he's on the Dauntless, it is right. unclear. Uh, because also, you shouldn't let this random guy no. you found beam on no. to this random ship you no. found. But anyway, uh, Ed Janeway <sighs> says, all right, well, let's go take an armed security guards over there and we'll get him. 
<laughs> and like you said, they beam on board the bridge. He's there. He sees them. They don't shoot him, which they, they should do talk. immediately. They, they should talk for a they while. Should yeah. knock him out. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and then he quickly switches to, uh, well, I, I didn't want to mention this. Uh, <laughs> but now that you brought it up, I Who's saw her pointing at Seven of Nine, right, right. Uh, fiddling and changing the file uh, when you weren't looking. Uh, but I didn't think it was my place to bring it up. <laughs> Uh, and this is the point at which uh, Janeway, you know, you never really think that Janeway and Seven of Nine are not friends anymore. Uh, right. But the the whole earlier parts of this episode, obviously, they're they're having uh, they're not in the best place. Yeah. But yeah, Janeway yeah. still trusts her. Uh, yeah, she shuts it down and says, exactly. "Like you're the person that put him there. And, you are it. You're not yeah. going to fool me." Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, "Okay," and he <laughs> he tries to. Uh, Hit something on the uh, console there, and <laughs> then the ship changes to evil. That's and, right. The ship right, changes to evil. The light changing. The lighting changes. You know, stuff is evil in Star Trek when they bring out the red, the red light. And they yes, re- I was thinking they that's... reset the uh, make all the sets in red. Yeah. So. And all the the consoles change, uh, and the two most inept security guards ever <laughs> on the planet. Uh, yes, who I thought was Cass for a minute. Like this yeah. she looks like Cass. She does look a little. She has like, Cass's haircut. They try to wrestle him to the ground. But once again, to your point, why don't they just knock him out? Shoot. I don't know. Yeah. They do have phasers at their hip. <laughs> why don't they beam him to the brig and just talk to him there? Right. <laughs> yeah, you you would imagine, but yeah. uh, they don't. Okay, so this is the other plot hole that makes me crazy about this episode, and this is as a software engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you're imagining a future where you know, you have the you know, Elkar system. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes and he basically modifies a ship to look convincingly enough like a Star Trek ship that they're walking around with their tricorders and they can't detect anything mm-hmm. and the, the operating system is exactly the same and all the systems are up to Starfleet code and, and all of that. That is so impossible. Like, how <laughs> would you sit down and, and hack that stuff and create it? I mean, am I crazy? Like, you it are. just makes no sense. And it makes even less sense in the Delta Quadrant where the only right. Starfleet <laughs> ship is Voyager. Right. So it's not like he could have just went to, you know, the internet and right. downloaded, you know, the specs for right. uh, some old starship or something. Right. He, it's only the Voyager. And how, yeah, there are... How you can convincingly fake an entire starship <laughs> and all the systems for it, it's just, it, it strains credibility. It just well, doesn't he, seem possible to he me. He is really smart, though. As they are struggling... He uh, erects a force field so that people can't beam <laughs> off the ship. Uh, and luckily, they managed to beam everyone off except, except. Captain Janeway <laughs> and Seven of Nine. Right. Uh, very conveniently. It is very convenient because yep. we find out that, uh, well, he then goes into his slipstream uh, and warps away with Seven of Nine and Captain Janeway. Captain Janeway says, where are you taking us? Uh, he says, home. <gasps> which is... Uh, you know, it, it's a little chilling. Um, yeah. And he, you basically find out that, uh, despite him saying earlier that his species had successfully avoided the Borg, that is not true. The Borg have uh, decimated his home system, assimilated almost his entire species. Uh, Ten to 20,000 perhaps got out alive. He is the only one of his family that got out. He got out alone. He stole a ship. Or he may not have stolen a ship, but he got a ship and he left. Um, 
and he is he blames not seven of nine interestingly enough uh he blames captain janeway uh because she brokered a deal uh with the borg yeah and scorpion yeah yeah, to get safe passage to their space in order to help them uh and her end of the bargain was she was going to help the borg defeat the one species they were scared of uh species 8472 and so with that uh his uh big brain guys species was depending on species 8472 basically wiping out the borg now i have to say here like species 8472 were a very legitimate threat and we're about to come through the alpha quadrant and wipe out a lot Everybody. of stuff so yeah. Jamie made the right call there voyager uh brings online their trends warp thingy so that they can follow them they get in the slipstream they're following along uh and uh they go to the brig seven of nine and janeway are thrown into the brig uh and then they hatch a are you want to talk about the the crazy plot that they hatch to get out well get it's out. you know they want to get through the force field and you know of course drones can walk through force fields so what does janeway do she needs a monofilament <laughs> so <laughs> you see her she takes off her star trek com badge and just like do to do and you never you never see what you she's see, doing yeah, exactly. and and there's no it's a, you have to understand this scene is so cheesy because it's like Janeway's got gonna disassemble her com badge and then like seven and nine tells her to like touch these two points on her eye module. It's very MacGyver. You, it, right. It's very MacGyver and you never see it. But the like we've seen Star Trek com badges. Like they aren't like like it's like my iPhone. I can't take apart my iPhone. That's true. Yeah, there's mon- that like just like yeah. a monofilament hanging right. out just in case. Right. <laughs> You know, that to me, that's strange credibility. And, so. and, and, and then even, I didn't have too much of a problem with the monofilament, but oh, okay. that I, yeah. I had a problem with the fact that it just takes, you know, poking seven, yeah. like three <laughs> times in the eye, basically, and then all of a right. sudden now she can walk then, through force fields. Right. Ta-da! And my question is, if if you could do that, why don't you just keep that part on all the yeah. time? Because that seems yeah. like, she, if they had that... On the bridge, she could have just walked through the force field that he put them in there, and they wouldn't have had this problem because she could have if punched. If I had to choose between force brain. fields and not force fields, especially if I'm in the Star Trek universe, like you go force fields. Like, exactly. Yeah. You you want to have the ability to walk through force fields, <laughs> right? And then so she gets out of the force field, she disables it, uh, and uh, Big Brain is upset, <laughs> and he he's not so happy. Uh, but Seven and Janeway get into engineering. Their thought is, will knock us out of the slipstream. They can't figure out how to do it, um, but they do figure out how to send extra energy to one of the thrusters so that they get off course slightly yeah. <laughs> uh, and possibly destroy the ship, but they don't destroy the ship. Uh, but they do throw Mr. Arturo, whatever his name is, to the floor. Uh, he gets the ship back into control. He thinks he's good. Um, but, uh, oh, no. Something's happening. They're getting attacked. Who are they getting attacked by? It's Voyager, who has reached, uh, caught up with them, uh, shoots uh, a bunch of missiles, not missiles, photon torpedoes at uh, the Dauntless. Uh, Things explode. Uh, The Dauntless's shields go down, and they beam Seven and Janeway back to Voyager. As Janeway is being beamed over... She says to Artemis, or whatever his name is, you Arturo? can come with us. You don't have to go back to your home world and be assimilated. 
and he basically refuses. So they're on a slipstream ship, right? Like mm-hmm. the first time that the slipstream drive activates, like it takes Voyager two days to to catch up to them, right? So mm-hmm. they're on some advanced super ship that goes very quickly. Um, so Voyager catches up to them in the scene by adapting the slipstream drive and managing to fly super quick. But then after this, it burns out and they'll never fly that quick again. That happens like, I could think of three times in the series. It happens in season two. It happens here. It happens with, uh, I think it's with, did that happen in Threshold? But this is a bad Voyager-like trope Mm -hmm. where they have some magical technology that lets them go really, really fast for half an episode, and then Janeway goes, we got 50,000 light years closer to home or something like that at the end of it. But we still, we need our gimmick, so we can't get home. we can't get home because Paramount's got to make money. That's right. Uh, Yeah, it's not so good. (laughs) Uh, And uh, as, as Janeway's beaming away, uh, Mr. Big Brain shoots through her uh, dematerializing body, right. clearly showing he does not want to join them on Voyager. No. Uh, and they're back safely on Voyager. And as you say, uh, they they turn and then, oh no, the slipstream drive uh, cocks out. Oh no. And uh, Dauntless gets to its his home world, drops out of warp, and... Uh, there are, there are lots of Borg cubes, yeah. and we can yeah. only imagine. And we hear the familiar, we are the Borg, uh, resistance is futile, yada, yada, yada. So we can imagine he is now a drone, happily serving the Borg collective. With uh, his big brain. With his big brain. Now the yeah. Borg collective can speak a thousand <laughs> extra languages, uh, including Klingon, which I, yeah, I'm assuming yeah. they had before. But still. Uh, and then we, we leave the episode, we end the episode, as we started the episode playing Seven of Nine and Janeway are playing Velocity yep. in the holodeck, and this time uh, Janeway is winning. Uh, and Seven, no, she won the first time, too. Well, I think I thought Seven was winning... Uh, she won four out of ten the first time. So Seven got four of ten, and she was pissed because Janeway uh, okay. beat her. Yeah. Well, then Janeway continues her winning streak. Right, exactly. Uh, and Seven is continued to not be happy. Yeah. Uh, and she says, oh, uh, I, gotta, I gotta go to Astrometrics and uh, do a thing. Um, so I will have to cut this short, Captain. Uh, and Janeway says, well, I gave everybody time off, so you have time. There's this also this moment where, as they approached Borg space, uh, Seven of Nine realized that she isn't really a Borg anymore. She's yeah. part Borg, but she's mostly human, and yeah. she wants to re-examine and explore her humanity. Of and course she, she does. She thinks that's the right pathway, which it is, of course. Uh, and then it ends with Janeway challenging Seven of Nine to one more game. Yeah. Uh, and so, I also have to say, like, as an engineer, I think it's a very... I love this about Seven, because she's not happy because she has a problem that she has to think her way through. And even though the captain has ordered downtime, she will not take it. If mm-hmm. that is not the most engineer trait, I don't know it is. So, <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really and, true. And, uh, so that, that is uh, Hope and Fear, mm-hmm. Season 4. Finale. I mean, what did you think of it overall? I thought I thought it was above the... I mean, it's not one of the greatest episodes of Voyager, but it's certainly above average. Yeah, I didn't... I, I think that it was saved... It's a, it's a familiar story uh, that familiar, has been yeah. uh, done in many episodes of Star Trek uh, yeah. before. But it is saved by great performances. 
uh, by uh, Mr. Big Brain. Uh, mm-hmm. He has these great scenes where he's really angry. Uh, I mean, he starts off as very meek, but when his plan is unfurled, he's super angry. Uh, and those scenes where he's accusing Janeway of uh, being responsible for the destruction of his home world are great. Uh, I like the scenes with Seven and Janeway building their characters a little bit. Uh, so overall, I'd say it's, you know, maybe slightly above average. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say that. But not one of the Voyager greats. I mean, it's not Message in a Bottle. It's not, you know, Year of Hell. But it's it, it's solid. It's and There's no Neelix, so that's good. There's no Neelix, in, well, <laughs> barely in this one. But uh, you know, Voyager Season 4 is very interesting because, you know, I, I realize you did not like Season 1 so much, no. but... You know, the episode's ratings were kind of slipping around season three, and this is when they really turned it around with Seven of Nine. And if you look at season four, it's all Seven of Nine episodes. It's about her kind of discovering her humanity more and more. So this was a real... It was a good place to end a season that was really all about Seven becoming human again. Well, uh, Brianna, thank you for joining me. Uh, I, I hope that your listeners that listen to this episode go, that was someone that brought true enthusiasm <laughs> and to a Voyager episode. Because I, I love Voyager. I was so. going to, and, and I thank you for bringing that enthusiasm <laughs> about Voyager, because I think in your uh, enthusiasm, I have found more things that I like about Voyager oh. than before. I do think it has been uh, under largely underrated, mostly because there's uh, a lady captain. I think is a big problem. Uh, mm-hmm. It isn't a big problem, but it's a problem for some people. Sure, I should say I that you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, right. And I think that some people have had trouble getting over that. But really, sure. Janeway uh, is a fantastic character. Uh, mm-hmm. Kate Mulgrew is a fantastic actress. Uh, so I don't know what the problem is. But yeah, and yeah. I think that... Uh, well, there's been so much of a drought of Star Trek. I mean, God, true. do you ever... <laughs> I mean, I would kill for a show half as good as Voyager on the air right now. And it's it's been so long. I mean, yeah. when did Enterprise go off the air? It, uh, I don't remember when it went off the air. It's uh, It's been a while. It has it's been, been a, a while. Decade, it's time you know? for yeah. Star Trek to... To, to reappear, even though that will make my podcast more complicated. Uh, I want another Star Trek uh, as long as the theme song doesn't have words. Oh, God. And uh, it is not oh, set before the original series, because I thought that was a bad idea. Uh, I think we'll be okay. You know, I do still love Voyager. So There's nothing wrong with Voyager. Yeah, don't don't let go. anyone tell you differently. I, I have many people tell me differently on Twitter <laughs> all the time. Well, don't listen to them. I won't. I won't. Thank you for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Well, thank this. you for coming on. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, now we're done because I don't. All have, right. I don't have an ending. So peace out. <laughs> there you go. Next time on Random Trek, The Next Generation, season four, episode five. Remember me.